Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Amen, 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 amen. How many of you know the Lord is worthy of it all? Amen. It's dangerous uh, to take for yourself what only should be given to the Lord. (laughs) Uh, I'll say that again. It's dangerous to take for yourself what only should be given to the Lord. And one of those things is praise. Um, anytime praise is coming your way, it's always a good idea to deflect and give that over to the Lord. Uh, ask Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> as he's looking out over his kingdom and he's like, my hand did this. And God's like, no, nah, I think it was mine. <laughs> so, uh, so he is worthy of it all, all the praise, amen, all the glory, all the honor, uh, anything good in our life. Where did it come from? It came down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Well, no, it was my hard work. Well, who gave you the breath in your lungs? Like every good thing in our life, it came down from the Lord. Amen? Amen, amen. He's worthy of it all. Open up your Bibles, if you brought them, to the book of Exodus. Uh, We're in a series about Moses, and we just got done talking about the plagues and why they came. And now we're moving on to the the wilderness, and uh, that's the title of this message is Work Your Wilderness, also called What in the World is Happening in My Life Right Now? (laughs) And why am I not seeing the progress I want to see? Go over, well, you know what? We're in Exodus. Let's go over to James first, and we'll go to James, and then we'll go to Exodus uh, we want to welcome everyone listening to podcasts as well. Can we give it up for everyone who's listening to podcasts? Yes. We are glad to have you tune in. James chapter 4. Uh, and let's look here in verse number 4. James 4. We'll start in verse 4 and go all the way to verse 7. You adulteresses, welcome to Word of Life. <laughs> You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world, now let's just stop right there. A couple of weeks ago we mentioned this, that all the the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and going to the promised land is a type and shadow of you. Um, You were the one called in bondage. Egypt is the land of sin. Pharaoh is Satan. The rock, uh, I didn't mention this one, but the rock in the, 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 the water came out of, the first rock is symbolic of the Old Testament. The second rock is symbolic of the new. For the Old Testament to flow and work like it should, it had to be struck. That's Jesus dying on a cross. For the, the New Testament to work, it's got to be spoken to. Oh, come on, don't make me. Don't, I'll come down there. In the New Testament, you don't have to strike the rock. You speak to the rock. Amen. Uh, the fire by day and the cloud by night, uh, or the, the cloud by day and the fire by night, that's a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, so here he's talking about the world. What is that symbolic of? Egypt. Um, so friendship with Egypt, uh, friendship with the world. Think about this in, in the terms of the children of Israel. You adulteresses, James 4 and verse 4, do you not know that friendship with the world, or we could say friendship with Egypt, is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of Egypt or a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture speaks to no purpose, saying he jealously, jealously desires the spirit which has, he has made us to dwell in us? But God gives a greater grace. The King James says, God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, notice verse 7. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Anytime you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. And he's pointing back up in verse 7 to verse 6. But God can give a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed the proud, uh, but gives grace unto the humble. Grace is the quality of God that makes something easy. When something is graced, it's easy. Salvation is not of works, lest any man could boast. It's not hard. It's by grace. Uh, grace makes something easier. If something is grace for you, it's easy for you to make progress in it. Uh, if you're graced to sing, it's easy for you to sing. If you're, you're graced to lead, you've got the gift of leadership. It's just easy for you. If you're graced to communicate, it's easy for you to communicate. Grace is the quality of God that makes something easy. And this verse is telling you that sometimes there's a greater grace on you. Uh, and not only is there a greater grace on you, God can give more grace. Uh, so life can be easier than it is right now. Progress can be easier than it is right now. Uh, God can give you more grace. But notice how this grace comes. It says God resists or opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. So what's the key to, to walking in this humility? The key to this humility is walking in submission. Uh, you've heard me teach this before, but it, but it does good and it's safe for you to hear it again. Remember when Jesus was talking on humility and he's preaching, he calls forth a little child and this little child comes up and stands in front of Jesus and he says, unless you humble yourself like this little child, you shall in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he didn't say, unless you humble yourself like a little child. He said, unless you humble yourself like this little child. And why is that important? We don't know anything about the child. Literally nothing about him. We don't know how old he was. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know what his favorite Pokemon was. Like any of those kinds of things. We don't know anything about this little child. The only thing we know about this little child is when Jesus called him, he obeyed. He submitted to the call of Jesus and came and stood before him. And the key to walking in more grace is whatever he tells you to do, what are you doing? You're doing it. You're, you're, you're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. God is pressing an issue in your life. 
and you are coming up under that issue. And when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God says, I will lift you up. That's his phrase in in Peter. I will lift you up when you humble yourself. In James, it's, I will give you more grace when you humble yourself because God resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble. What is pride? Uh, It is friendship with Egypt. It is this desire to go back to the instruction of Egypt, to go out of the the surrender of God and to come back over to the world and to allow the world uh, to be the thing that's governing me. Um, And so out of this, one of my favorite phrases is this, is not all resistance needs to be resisted. Some resistance needs to be listened to. Um, and this is important for all of us who, who know the subject to face and speak to mountains and resist the devil. There is some stuff that needs to be resisted by you. Uh, anything that God's redeemed you from, it needs to be resisted by you. Any like thought or, or thing that's trying to lure you into sin, it needs to be resisted by you. But God can resist the proud. He can oppose the proud. And let me ask you this question. If God is resisting you, how much progress do you think you're actually going to make? Not a lot. Um, And he says that there are some people I resist. Uh, This is Jonah on his way to to, uh, Tarsh. This is, is him not wanting to listen to the Lord. And he could try to rebuke and bind that storm all he wants. It's not going to stop. He could try to stand on it like Jesus did and speak to the storm. It's not going to stop. It's got to be listened to. And what's it trying to tell him? You're going in the wrong direction. And until you submit to this, there is no greater grace for this ship. But if if you want to go back in the direction you should go in and listen to this resistance and pay attention to this tension uh, and learn what you should be learning right now, then there is more grace. I I can even take you by well or by big fish or whatever you need to get to where you need to go. But you need to listen to what I'm trying to teach you. And in my life, I have seen where there has been greater grace. Like I have seen God literally marvelously help me. Something that I I thought would take forever, like him paid off supernaturally quick. Like Lakeland, uh, phase one, uh, literally, we we weren't open for just about a year, and it's paid off. Like just God just helping it, gracing it, like establishing it and, and prospering it. And then there's been other times in my life where I'm like, God, what in the world is going on right now? Uh, like, I know I'm in faith. I know I'm believing. I know I'm confessing, but I'm not seeing any mountains move. Uh, and I, I know I'm standing on, on, on the word with some of these things, but I'm not seeing anything change. What is going on in my life right now? Not all resistance needs to be resisted. Sometimes resistance is there to teach you something. And almost every time, it's there to break that friendship with the world. It's literally the wilderness, the resistance is designed to get Egypt out of you. Because it's one thing for God to get you out of Egypt, but it's a whole other thing for God to get Egypt out of you. And unless Egypt is out of you, you'll never make it into the promised land God has for you. And so the wilderness is a season, and it is a moment for you to address the Egypt that is in you. 
and to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and be like, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? The wilderness is actually designed by God to deepen your faith and to take you further over into the Lord, to make you more Christ-like and to bring you over into a place where your faith is tried by fire and the impurities are coming out. Uh, And so out of this, I want you to see this, and I would love if like this whole week, um, everyone here and everyone listening, like you come back to James and ask yourself this question, how graced am I right now? How much grace is on my life right now? Uh, How much help am I receiving right now? Uh, One of my favorite passages of scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, is actually my life chapter, uh, talking about King Uzziah. And one of the phrases just says, for he was marvelously helped by God. Uh, can I ask you a question? This is just a moment of, you know, meditation. If you looked at your life right now, how marvelously helped by God are you? Where it's like, I'm just seeing God show up. Like God's moving here and God's moving in this and I can see God moving there. Like I am just marvelously helped by God. And if the, the answer is like, I, I love it. Like that's exactly what I'm seeing. Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. If the answer is like, I think I can use more marvelous help, Pastor Joel. Like I think I could use greater grace Then this is for you in this season. It's the wilderness. It is resistance and it's okay. In fact, it's good for you. Uh, when I look at some of my wilderness seasons, that was the time that my faith and surrender to God became ever deeper. Um, and all the lessons that I even learned in church growing up, I had to act on them and put them in use. Um, and so with all these things in mind, like there is greater grace that can come from the Lord. And then there's also resistance that can be listened to. Let's keep this in mind as we're reading the story of the children of Israel. So God sets them free. Pharaoh lets them go. And they're at this place where they're coming over into the promised land. But watch what happens here in Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 17. Exodus 13 and verse number 17. It says, now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was closer. Everyone say the easy way. He didn't take them the easy way. For God said, the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. He didn't take them the easy way. Why? They weren't ready to get there that fast. He didn't take them the easy way. Why? They weren't ready. I'm not going to take them the easy way. Well, why aren't you going to take them the easy way? They're not ready. So I'm going to get them ready. Well, how are you going to get them ready? Hence, verse 18, God led the people around by the way. He took them out of the way uh, to the wilderness. And to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up um, from an array of the people of the, the land. Now notice this, verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you will surely carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out, 
and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Now the Lord was going before them. This is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on in the way. That's what the Holy Spirit's designed to do, to lead you on the way. And a pillar of fire by night to give them light uh, that he might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, the Lord took them by way of the wilderness. And for those of you who know your Bible, uh, or even if you don't, you probably heard this. They spent 40 years in it and died in the wilderness and never got in the promised land. They literally never got in it. For 40 years, they would not be made ready. For 40 years, they would not relent. They would not change. They would not listen. They constantly wanted to go back to Egypt. They constantly began to to be an adulteress, as James would say, and basically cheat on God with the world and constantly wanting to go back to Egypt and thinking about the melons that were there and like all the other things that were there in Egypt. And God literally could not take them into what he wanted to take them into because of their pride. And it got harder and harder and harder. And the Bible literally says they circled around the same mountain. Have you ever felt like you've been there before? Where it's like, I think I've been here. And it's just circling around the same mountain. The mountain's not moving. It's not changing. And God's still being God. Like God's there. The pillar of fire is there. Uh, The cloud by day, it's there. Like I can sense God's presence. That's symbolic of, by the way, the Holy Spirit is if you're in the desert during the day and you're in the shade, can you sense it? Yes. You don't even have to see the cloud. You get it. You get on a hot Mississippi day and get over in the shade. You will sense you are in the shade, even if you don't see the tree. And in the desert, at night, it gets cold. And, and when you're there in the desert, it can get cold at night. And so if you're close to the fire, the other night, me and my wife made a fire. Thank God for fall. Me and my wife, yes, can we give it up for fall? Thank you, Lord, for, for autumn. Uh, so out of this, uh, like when you're close to the fire, even if you don't see the fire, question, can you sense it? Yes. And so here, God's fire by night, cloud by day, they can sense him. So even though they're not in what he wants them to get in, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, a land that's spacious without hesitation and boundary and things that would restrict, even though they're not in God's best, God is still with them. God is still providing for them. God is still healing them. God is still protecting them. God is still a shield for them. God is still fighting battles for them. But they are walking in less than his best. And it's not something that they're overly enjoying, even though it's like all of these things going on, because there was something else God had for them. But until they submitted their lives fully unto the Lord, they were not going to get in. And literally all of them had to die. And the next generation had to come up for them to get over into the wilderness, for them to have the grace to get into what God had for them. And when you read Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4, once again, while we're studying this series, wonderful chapters of scripture to read, Hebrews 3, 4, and 5. Um, You know, out of this, it tells you explicitly, would you please go back and study them? 
and do not be Pharaoh and, and harden your heart and do not be the children of Israel and not relent. But, but open yourself up to God and the direction that he's trying to give you. Be a person of faith and be a person of devotion and be a person of consecration so God can take you where he wants to take you. And the writer of Hebrews says, for there is still yet a rest that remains for the people of God. And let all of us labor to enter into that rest so that we get into our promised land like the children of Israel should have gotten in theirs. Because here's the thing. Every one of us will go through a wilderness, but it's entirely up to you how long you spend in it. Jesus was in his wilderness for 40 days. The children of Israel was in their wilderness for 40 years. What made the difference? Jesus constantly humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, passed the test, and made it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how did Jesus find himself in that wilderness? The Holy Spirit led him there. How did they find their way in their wilderness? The Holy Spirit, cloud by day, uh, fire by night, led them into the way of the wilderness. And if you are someone um, who is walking with the Lord, you will find your own wilderness experience. You will not reach your high calling without a wilderness. This is why it's not a bad thing. For you to reach your high calling in Jesus, you will go through a wilderness season. And in fact, you may go through more than one. Uh, that, that with each level, there's a new wilderness almost in the Lord. Uh, there's a, a garden of Gethsemane where you find yourself saying, not my will, but your will being done. And when you obey that will, you come out of that wilderness into your cross. Uh, and then you humble yourself at that level and God lifts you up. So even Jesus found these pathways. Moses found the, the same thing. Did you know this was not his first time in the wilderness? Uh, he had to go through the wilderness even before this moment. Because here's the thing in God, if, you, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. With the Lord, when you begin walking with him, he will always give you, number one, the revelation of a promise. This is a dream or a vision for your life. Uh, this is something that you sense God is speaking to you in. God is leading me in this way. It's the revelation of a promise, the revelation of a dream, the revelation of a hope and a future. If you don't have that in your life, you need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he lit his job description literally is to show you things to come. His job description literally is to give you visions and dreams. Um, it, it's to stir up desires in your heart. And so anytime you fellowship with the Lord, you'll see one of the things that leads to that fellowship is a dream showing you what you can be, a revelation of a high calling in Christ Jesus. Re remember, we, we preached about this. I think at some point I'll probably bring it up again. But, but Paul says that I may apprehend that which I was apprehended for. And so Paul looked at his life and he said, the Lord did a lot of work to apprehend me. And he said, you want to know why the Lord did a lot of work to apprehend me? It wasn't just because he loved me. Uh, and yes, the Lord loved Paul and the Lord loves you. But that's not the only reason why he apprehended you. Paul said, the reason why he apprehended me is because there are things that I am to apprehend for him. And so he said, this one thing I do, I leave that which is behind me and I press towards that which is out in front of me that I might become the high calling version of me. And so when you're with the Holy Spirit, he begins to show you the things that he apprehended you for. 
It's like, I called you to do this, and I called you to do this, and I called you to do this. It's the revelation of a promise. So this is the first work of the Lord in your, your heart when you begin to walk with him, and he's taking you out of Egypt. He shows you a land of milk and honey before you ever get there. It's the revelation of a promise of, of Moses, you're called by me to be a deliverer. It's the revelation of a promise. Uh, and out of this revelation of the promise, it's an exciting moment. This is like where you're jumping and you're excited and you can see it. And it's like, if I can see it, I can be it. And like, there's just joy, a revelation of a promise. But that's not the end. You're just at the first step. The second step is the preparation for the promise. And this is your wilderness moment, the preparation for the promise. And the third step is the fulfillment of the promise, where you find yourself, walk, you, you get to Rome if you're Paul. You get in the promised land if you're Moses. Uh, for Jesus, you see uh, people be drawn unto you from all nations of the earth. For Joseph, it's your brothers coming and reconciling with you while you're in this place where the dream has been fulfilled. For David, you're made king. Uh, but it's the fulfillment of this promise. So you have the revelation of a promise. You have the preparation for the promise. You have the fulfillment of the promise. And so many times we only hear about the revelation of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, but we never look at the preparation for the promise. And the reason why so many people are not walking in their promised land and not seeing the fullness of God's power is there is something missing in step two. Uh, it's either one, they never took the time to fellowship with the Holy Spirit long enough to get the promise to see and to contend for, or secondly, they get right smack dab in the wilderness and they make a decision to go back to Egypt and to go back to the world. Uh, so there are multiple examples of this. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can just write these down. Uh, number one, Moses. Since we're talking about Moses, let's just build on his life. Moses, you remember Moses has this amazing story. God, you know, literally orchestrates this moment where he's, uh, you know, captured by Pharaoh's daughter and brought over as a baby into their house. And he grows up with all their riches and all these other things. But the Bible says when he's 40 years old, a revelation of a promise came to him. And he sees, I am called, literally designed by God for this very moment. That I, I have connections with the Egyptians and I can speak Egyptian. But I also have a heart for the Hebrews and I understand their sufferings. And so I can connect with them and I can connect with them. And it's like, hold up. I think I'm called by God to be their deliverer. And he was. This is the revelation of a promise. But what does he do? He tries to make it happen in his own strength. He tries to force it instead of flow with it and gets an Ishmael versus an Isaac. And so out of this, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and he's like, this is my chance. Like surely everyone will see like this is my moment to be like the deliverer of God's people. And so he goes and tries to stop the Egyptian uh, from, from beating this Hebrew. And in the process, he kills the Egyptian. And out of this, um, a terror kind of comes over him because he understands what's happened. And then everybody's like, he killed the Egyptian. And so he runs. And you know where he runs? To the wilderness. And in a wilderness for 40 years, he becomes a shepherd learning how to lead. And when he was ready, and only when he was ready, the Holy Spirit lit up a bush and told him, you need to go back. For now, you are ready for the fulfillment of that promise. 
revelation of the promise, preparation for the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. Moses. Secondly, Joseph. You remember Joseph, Old Testament? He's just this young kid. He's got like his coat of many colors. He's enjoying life, buddy. And God starts meeting with him and gives him the, the, the dream of a promise of like the, these dreams, literal dreams. He's falling asleep, having a dream, seeing himself. And it's like, this is an amazing life. The sun and moon are bowing down and like all of these other things are bowing down. He's super excited about it because we always are when we hear about the promised land. Uh, typically, every message is about the promised land. Anytime you find yourself getting excited It's like the blessing of the Lord and everybody gets excited. My issue is as a pastor is we hear a lot about the promised land. I see very few people walking in it. Uh, and, And I know it's like far more than like getting excited about it or the revelation of it. But anytime I get the revelation of it, like I'm excited about it. And so Joseph comes and he's like, this is what God's showing me and it's going to be amazing. And it's right. It is going to be amazing when it all comes to pass. But then what happens after he has this vision? He get, goes into his wilderness. He's sold into slavery and he's thrown in a pit. And then he's in Potiphar's house. And it looks like he's graced. And it looks like he's getting traction. And it looks like these things are kind of working. And then he's in a prison. And then in a prison, it looks like he's getting traction and he's interpreting in a vision and a dream for a butler and a baker. And this is all like wonderful. It's like, this is how it's going to work. And three more years still, he stays in that prison until God finally gives Pharaoh a dream. And you know, I've asked this question before, but why did God wait three years to give Pharaoh a dream? He could have given, the butler could have been delivered that night from jail. And as soon as he's out of prison, the butler knows there's a guy in prison who can interpret dreams. And then God could have given Pharaoh that dream that night that tormented his soul. That he finally had a call on Joseph for. But God waited three years to give Pharaoh that dream. And my question is why? Joseph wasn't ready. And all throughout Joseph's tenure, what do you see God doing? It's like, you're about to lead a nation, so let me first have you lead you in a pit. Then let me have you lead Potiphar's house in a house. Then let me have you lead a prison in a prison. And if you can lead yourself in a pit, you can lead a house in Potiphar, and you can lead a whole prison in this prison system, you might be ready to lead a nation. And so it's the revelation of a promise, the preparation for the promise, then the fulfillment of the promise. Uh, Number three, David. You know the story. God comes to David, like anoints him with oil. Like what a sweet moment for David. Literally forgotten by his father. Like like, uh, Jesse hears from Samuel, there's a king in your house. Literally brings every other son in front of Samuel besides David. Leaves him out in the field. And Samuel's like, none of these boys are it. We're not sitting. It's one of my favorite stories. Because he's like, we're not sitting uh, until he comes. And I guess it took forever because the Bible says when David finally came, they arose. (laughs) So it took longer than than Samuel was thinking. So they get up and David walks up and it's like, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And and like the oil is poured on him. And in front of all of his brothers, he's told he's made king. And you know what happens? Like what a sweet moment of redemption seen by God, promised by God, shown the future by God, sent back to the sheepfold, ridiculed by his brothers. goes back and he fights a lion and he fights a bear. What's God doing? Preparation for a promise. Then he fights Goliath. But Goliath was nothing compared to the fight he was about to fight with Saul. And you know when Saul decided to fight with him, where David went? He went into the wilderness. 
And in the wilderness, he's there and, and God's like literally walking with him. But for 16 years, he's out there in the wilderness waiting for something to change. And finally, Saul dies. And when Saul dies, God takes David and he makes him king. Revelation of the promise, preparation for the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. Number four, Paul. Uh, we know Paul's story. Uh, he has this revelation of the promise. It's like, who are you? God knocks him off his high horse. Who are you? It's like, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And he starts speaking into his life who he's called to be and what he's called to do in this beautiful moment of ministry. And then, like, all these supernatural events come up that show Paul, like, Paul, man, you were called to do something significant by God. But did you know Paul wrote in the book of Galatians that after God gave him that call, he did not confer with flesh and blood, but instead went to Arabia, the wilderness, and was there for three years before God ever sent him back to Jerusalem? What's he doing in those three years? Literally, theologians say he's just hearing from God, getting his theology right, getting ready. The revelation of the promise, preparation for the promise, three-fourths of the New Testament, the fulfillment of the promise, standing in Rome, the fulfillment of the promise. Number five, John the Baptist. You know John's story. It's like from birth, it's like revelation of a promise. Like this kid is anointed by God. Like this is God moving on a child. Literally, when, you know, his dad can't speak. And they're, they're like, what should the name be? And everybody's like, it should be a family name. And finally, he speaks up. His father doesn't like, his name is John. And they all marveled. And like, they literally say this, what kind, this blessed me for my kids. And like, what kind of child is this that God's spirit is resting on him so strong? And I love this because I think we can look at everybody and be like, what type of person is this? Like, I, I look at so many of the gifts in this room and it's like, you are so wonderfully crafted and made by God. But it's like, who would ever know what we're called to be? And John's father spoke out by the spirit and said, I'll tell you who this child is. He's a voice in the wilderness. He's going to make a way for a king and starts proclaiming by the spirit who, who he's going to be. And if you're a young person in here, man, you need the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life telling you who you're supposed to be and the path you are supposed to take. You need a revelation of the promise. But did you know the Bible says that until the time his word came, he remained in the desert? And then when finally that word came, he stepped out as John the Baptist. And when he did, he paved the way for Jesus. Revelation of the promise, preparation for the promise, fulfillment of the promise. Number six, Jesus. You know his story. Birth, supernatural, fulfillment of prophecy, what happens in his life. Before any miracle, where does the Holy Spirit lead him? In the wilderness. When he comes out of the wilderness, he comes out in the power of the Spirit. And seven, the children of Israel. Revelation of the promise. You have a promised land for you. Preparation for the promise. I'm not taking you the easy way. You're not ready. I'm going to prepare you through the wilderness. Then revelation of the promise. You're literally embracing the fruit in the promised land. If you are going to get into your high calling, you need a revelation of the promise but if you are going to fulfill it, you need preparation for it. And the tool God uses to prepare everyone is the wilderness. What is it? Five things. Number one, I'll close with this. Number one, 
It is a dream going unfulfilled. It's you know God has spoken to you. You know it. You know God has shown you something. But you're looking at your life, and you're not seeing a promised land anywhere around you. You know God has called you to be king. But you're looking at your life, and it's like, I'm not, literally not only the king. The king is trying to kill me. It's Joseph, God's showing you a dream, but it's like, I'm in a pit right now. A dream is going unfulfilled, and God spoke to you something, but that, that something is, is not being held in your hand. It's being held in your heart, but you're looking at your life, and a dream is going unfulfilled. Number two, it's prolonged frustration over a lack of progress. It's like, God, I thought I'd be further along in life than I am right now. I thought I'd be further along in what you called me to do than I am right now. I, I thought I'd be closer to this than I am right now. It's a prolonged frustration over a lack of progress. It's, it's Paul a year and a half in Arabia and being like, can we leave now? Um, it's John the Baptist wondering, what is taking Jesus so long and why does he have to wait till he's 30? Like it's, it's, it's prolonged frustration over a lack of progress. Uh, number three, it's isolation. You feel alone. Solitude is healthy. Jesus embraced solitude. Isolation is where you feel like you're alone. No one understands what I'm going through right now. I, I, I genuinely feel like no one gets me in Potiphar's house. I genuinely feel like my brothers who should be cheering me on, they just saw like God say I'm going to be king. My brothers who should cheer me on right now. Why aren't they with me? It's a season of isolation. Number four, it's severe inward testing. Um, Jesus in his wilderness is tempted by the enemy. Uh, you see David in his wilderness in a cave, like kill Saul right now, like take him out. It's Joseph in a season where Potiphar's wife is throwing, literally throwing herself at him. It's severe inward temptation. And if you're going through a season right now where it's like, I just really feel like sinning. And there is just a pull on me, like from the enemy, to watch this and to, to submit my life more into these types of things. It's severe inward testing. There's just something pulling you back to Egypt, something that does not want you to escape Egypt. And you're, you're thinking about like, man, I'm, I, when I was in the world, like even before this promise, I didn't have this type of temptation. But now, like, I'm, I'm going after the thing God wants me to go after. And it's like all around me, there's just like this temptation to sin. And this, this deep inward temptation to, like, go off in another direction. It, it is the enemy trying to get you away from the promised land, to get you to go back to Egypt. Severe inward testing. And five, a strong temptation to abandon your high calling and dreams. It's just not worth it. I'll never be king. It's just not worth it. I'll, I'll never, you know, have my brothers bow down to me. It's just not worth it. I'll never be able to fit in with the disciples. It's just not worth it. No one can fast for 40 days and resist temptation all the time. It's just, it's just not worth it. Let me abandon my high calling. Let me give up on the promised land. Let me just survive in this wilderness or go back to Egypt. The abandonment of a high calling. And here's what I know. In your life, you will be faced with each and every one of these things if you truly go after your high calling. 
If you decide to be the person that God has called you to be, and you decide to get intimate with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, and I really feel like we're in a season right now where God is going to direct you with what he has called you to do like never before, showing you the next level. Uh, One of the things that I've seen in God um, is that God's a God of progression. And some of you, like you're in what you think is your promised land, but it's actually still the wilderness. There is something else God has called you to do, something else God has called you to have. And I feel like we're in a season where where God is calling his people to, to return and calling his people to repent. And out of that, there will be a refreshing, like God with his spirit is going to give visions and dreams. God with his spirit is going to show you things to come. He's going to put desires in your heart. And, and, and out of these things, like coming to this place of full surrender. But whenever you get that in order for you to be it, you're going to have to go through the wilderness. And it's just in these times where you're passing the test and you're relenting. It's in these times where you're like, you're, you make a decision to be like Joshua and just sit by the, the doorway of the temple to get as close to God as you can. It's in these times where you, you, you have to press through in faith and you listen to the Lord on what he's trying to teach you right now. In my life, I literally, God, had spe- God spoke to me audibly. I've never had that happen before. But I was 17 years old. God spoke to me audibly and told me, Joel, you'll be the next full-time pastor of Word of Life Church. Weeping will endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. You will be the next full-time pastor of Word of Life Church. On the way to my father's funeral, had God speak to me audibly. It's passing the Chevron on Highway 18. I can remember being 13 years old and being at a restaurant, Ralph and Cuckoo's on County Line Road, and a prophet and prophetess by the name of Mary Fran picked up her fork, stuck it in my face, and she said, I see you. You know what she saw? The high calling me. And I took over the church expecting, like, for the fulfillment of that vision to just drop in my lap. And I went through the toughest two years of my life. Everything failed. The church lost half of all the income. Half of all the income the church was taking in was gone in three months of my leadership. Literally cut in half. People left by the droves. Multiple churches started out of the church. And I'm sitting there literally looking at God, and I'm like, God, what in the world? Like, you showed me this. Like, you, you showed me this promised land. You showed me, like, w- what's going on here. And you can't tell me. I'm not seeking you. I'm speaking to mountains. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading. I'm doing everything I know to do. But, like, there is no grace for this. And you've heard my story. I got down on a bathroom floor with a list of people I could give this church to. It's 20 years ago. On a bathroom floor of who I could give this church to. I'm like, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to have to. What am I? I felt isolated. And literally all of these things. A dream was going unfulfilled. 
I was so frustrated over a lack of progress. I felt isolated. No one understands me. Severe inward testing. Let me go back. And a strong temptation to abandon my high calling and dream. And I was literally this close to doing it. Literally this close. But the Lord came in and started showing me the tests that I kept failing. And as soon as I saw it, I saw I had taken this test literally for two years and just kept failing it over and over and over and over and over again, just kept failing this test. And in God, there is no social promotion. You can be 18 with a beard and still stuck in the third grade desk, like drinking your juice box. Because there is no social promotion in God. It's dangerous for him to take you into the promised land unprepared. You'll hurt others. And I came to that place of surrender. And now there's no looking back. I saw God's grace. And I just want to encourage you, like, if you're going through this, we're going to talk about why the wilderness, and we're going to talk about how to get out of it when we see each other again. We're going to talk about specific tests you are going to have to pass when we study the children of Israel. But tonight, I just want to end with worship. And, and I want you to just like fellowship for a moment with the Holy Spirit. And maybe tonight God shows you something. Maybe tonight it's your moment where Samuel comes and anoints your head with oil. And it's like, this is what I'm calling you to do in this next season. Or maybe tonight it's just that moment of frustration where you're coming and like, God, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do and be. But I am so far from doing it. And I am so far from being it. Show me what I need to learn. What about this resistance is it that I need to be listening to? Show me by the person and the power of your Holy Spirit. So let's stand to our feet all over the place tonight. And let's just get before God and worship. And we'll close out with this. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just hear this in my heart. Listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And relent and stop from hardening your heart. For there are some of you in this place tonight that the Holy Spirit has been pricking you. Trying to get your attention. An area that needs to be submitted. An area that needs to be laid down. And I just hear in my heart that if you will crucify that area to the Lord that in dying in that area, you'll truly come to life. And the anointing of God will come upon you in greater dimensions and greater ways. And you'll stand firmer in the office that God has called you to stand in and stand with the greater grace in the race that God has called you to run. But lay down that weight and sin and do not harden your heart from the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
for you're not in trouble. The Lord is trying to keep you from trouble. You're not in trouble with the Lord. He's not mad at you. The Holy Spirit is trying to direct you out of your wilderness and into your promised land. So open up your heart and receive correction. For whom the Lord loves, he does correct. You have a father and your father is looking to discipline you, not for his pleasure, but for your benefit. So open up your heart and receive that correction. Begin making that correction. Begin taking those steps and you will see your life be lived. And you'll see your high calling be walked in. And you'll see the steps that God has called you to take be lit up by the person of the Holy Spirit. He will show you what to do. And you will have light on the steps and the path you are to walk in. If you'll open up your heart. And relent. Open up your heart and obey. You'll see the way. And you'll be able to walk in it with his abundant grace in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for it. Just open up your heart to the Lord tonight. I like to do that by just opening up my hands to him. Father, here we are, Lord, speak to us. Anything we need to surrender, speak to us. Anything we need to lay down, speak to us. Any weight, any sin that we need to let go of, speak to us, Father. Here we are, Father. Your servant is listening, speak. It doesn't matter what you want to talk to us about. It doesn't matter what direction you want to give us. It doesn't matter where you want us to go, what you want us to do. We are yours, Lord. We will humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And Father, we thank you. Great grace is coming to us all. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.